Hey guys, we are so excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft Coffee can't make any claims, but this CBD-enriched coffee has really changed lives and their reviews are incredible. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, decreased anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and non-psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2018 at checkout and get it straight to your door. Now enjoy the show, guys. The Sportsbook Bar and Grill is owned by Denver natives who love Colorado sports. I'm a big sports guy. I love watching sports. I love people's reaction to sports when it's a high-stakes game. No matter what's going on in the world, it kind of unifies people, and everyone seems to be a friend, you know, when you're at a sports bar. So, yeah, that's, that's the main reason I want to get involved with the sports bar. That was John Porter, part owner of Sportsbook. Him and his team pride themselves in creating a great environment for you to enjoy your favorite sports with TVs in every direction you look and so much more. Something that makes Sportsbook unique is not just a sports bar. We also have a killer menu um, with a bunch of, we got pizza burgers and melts and the combination of the food with the experience of a, of a Broncos game or an Avalanche game or a Rockies game and having all that stuff packed into one. I mean, no one wants to sit at home by themselves and watch a game. You want to be around friends or you want to make new friends. You want to be full while you do it. And you also would like to have a few drinks with it as well. So with all the beers we have on tap and the diversity of our menu, there's no better spot to watch sports. You feel like you're in your house with all of your friends with you. If you're in the area, be sure to stop by the Sportsbook Bar and Grill today. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. For the Colorado Avalanche, that's Matt Duchesne. Right now, news is breaking that he has been involved in a trade that has been completed, and it looks like they have pulled him off the ice here after just playing a couple of minutes to start this hockey game. The best Avalanche coverage in Denver. Fans at the puck again in the New York zone. Shot, score! Taking you beyond the ice and inside the locker room. Gerard didn't have a stick. The handoff in the slot broken up with a skate by Gerard. He broke up that play. Then he stopped it there. Oh, wow. What a play by Gerard. <laughs> and now, here are your hosts, A.J. Hafley and Adrian Dater. Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. We have another special episode for you today as Adrian Dater this time sits down with longtime Avs play-by-play and current St. Louis Blues play-by-play, John Kelly, famous for the thank you, thank you, thank you calls. You all know him. You all love him. Let's go ahead and dive on into the show, Adrian Dater and John Kelly. Special, special podcast here today for you folks. Uh, got a special guest on the line. We're going to talk, uh, gonna ter- talk about his uh, current, current team, but we're going to spend a lot of time also on the former team that uh, my guest was affiliated with for so many years. So many very good years. This will make for fun conversation, as always. Uh, good memories. Uh, my guest today, John Kelly, the former Avalanche television play-by-play man, now with the St. Louis Blues, as he's been for several years now. Uh, Fox Sports Midwest. Uh, John Kelly, uh, though, came in with the Avalanche from day one here in this organization and. uh and, and, and called all their glory days. I still got them all on VHS. John, uh, first, John, thank you for joining the, the me on the podcast. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Adrian. I'm just in uh, Nashville tonight. The Blues have an off uh, 
day. Um, although it's been a busy 24 hours, they had to make a coaching change and uh, just uh, enjoy Nashville before we play the Preds tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, uh, for those who didn't hear it today, uh, uh, Blues made a coaching change. Uh, Mike Yao is uh, Mike Yo, excuse me, is uh, is out. Uh, Craig Berube, the interim coach, they're calling it. Uh, I first of all, uh, John, I uh, know when coaching changes happen, everybody's, you know, you kind of. You know, you you kind of know when it's coming. Uh, you always hope it doesn't happen, uh, but you know, you know things are getting tight, and, uh, and the records are the way they are, and you know, th- you know, you know things are getting slippery. Uh, and some, and often it happens. Uh, just, uh, I guess, my first question would be like, uh, you know, uh, and I know you're not the color analyst of the team. Uh, you're not the you know, analyst of the team, but uh, I guess were you surprised that this decision came down, especially today? Well, not really. Um, you know, the Blues have been very inconsistent this year, Adrian. They've had some very good games, uh, some good periods. Um, you know, prior to their recent slide. Uh, they've lost four of their last five. They had won four or five, so they were playing better. But um, of late, they've been shut out three of their last four games. And, you know, just not showing – it's not just the fact that they're losing, but the, the way they've lost of late, um, losing in Chicago one nothing against a team that had lost eight in a row, uh, losing last night at home to the Kings, and knowing that – the Kings are the, you know, record-wise, we're the worst team in the league. And you get shut out in both games. So, it, you know, just not enough enthusiasm and drive and will and fight. And, you know, Mike Yo was asked a few weeks ago after a bad loss if he's worried about his coaching, you know, job. And, and he basically said, yeah, everybody should be worried. So, you know, he, he he's, he's a smart guy. And I think we all knew that when you're a team that goes out and makes some big deals in the summer and signs some key free agents and spends a lot of money, you certainly expect more than a record right now. That's two games under 500. And, you know, right now they're, they're certainly out of the playoffs as we sit. Uh, certainly, you know, it's very early, but um, you know, they expected a lot more. And as you know, Adrian, you know, I think the biggest thing now with coaches, and I think we've seen four coaches fired now in the first 20 games, is that it's so hard to make trades nowadays. I mean, in the old days, you would have made a trade or two, maybe a blockbuster to shake the team up. Well, nowadays, you don't really have that option because trades are just so hard to make. So am I surprised? I, I'm, not supr- I'm not shocked. Um, we were hoping that Mike could get it turned around. He, he really is a good man and a good coach, but unfortunately, that's the reality of the business and as i said we've now seen it with four different teams yeah after not having a single coach fired during the last regular season which was the first time since the uh, in the original since the original six days that that had happened not a, right exactly not one coach fired in the regular season last year now we've had four uh we had another one today as well uh todd mcclellan out out in edmonton ken hitchcock i, I think these guys had more farewell tours now than the who and kiss combined uh, he, he keeps saying he's quit. I'm done. And like Al Pacino and Godfather Three, they keep dragging him back in. Uh, that that's that's another situation. Uh, I know you you have experience uh, with Hitch in St. Louis. Uh, well, let me ask you first. What do you think, Hitch? Did you did you, <laughs> you surprised that Hitch couldn't stay out away for long? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all, Adrian. You know, I love Hitch. He's a he's a great guy. He's a he's a reporter's dream. I mean, he'll, he'll fill your notebook or your your tape recorder. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that, you know, a couple of years ago when the blues brought in Mike Yo as the coaching waiting, which was a rather um, unique way to do things. Yeah. Very, it was different. Um, Hitch said at the time, he, he said in the spring when they announced it, he goes, yes, it's going to be my last year. But then in the fall, when we played Edmonton, he was talking to the reporters from Edmonton saying how, you know, he might want to continue down the road. So right away I knew this guy ain't quitting. And uh, he's the kind of guy, Adrian, that he, he will coach or be in the game of hockey until he physically is not capable. Because he, he is he's one of those guys, he reminds me of Scotty Bowman, it's 24-7 hockey. He doesn't have a whole lot else to, to really you know, occupy his time. Um, so that's, that's not a shock at all to me that he's back coaching the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, and especially when it's 
a unique team in a way for him, and that's where he's from. He grew up, you know, in that area and uh, coached junior hockey there for years. Uh, midget hockey. I think. He's, I mean, he, his legendary stories are hits driving the back roads of, you know, up in Alberta for for days on end, scouting and coaching little you know te- teams out there, and then he then he coached in Moose Jaw. Uh, uh, so he's in a sense going home. Now I guess the coach Connor McDavid, uh, <laughs> he's got a great track record turning teams around. I mean, he, if anybody can do it, he can. And they, you know, the Oilers got plenty to work with. So, but uh, but getting back to the Blues, uh, you know, when they made their offseason moves, I thought, you know, that's a lot of change. It's going to take some time. Uh, it may be, it may take longer though than than Mike Yao get Yo gets. I keep calling him Yao. Mike Yo gets to to get it together uh, on the ice though you say that the team's having trouble scoring which i think we would have all been surprised by that i mean we i think people think that the blues if their big weakness would go into the season would be was you know the defense is getting a little older maybe a little thinner and the goaltender is is, is had some question marks but really i guess you say the offense has been the problem well, it has been lately, Adrian, but it, it's sort of been a tale of two years for the Blues. Early on, they were very porous defensively and were giving up a lot of goals. At the same time, they were scoring a lot of goals. Um, prior to this recent drought, they had scored four goals or more in seven of eight games. At one time, they were the third highest scoring team in the league. They certainly aren't that anymore, you know, because they've been shut out three times in four games. But lately, they, they, they haven't scored, and now they're playing really good defense. So it's sort of like they haven't put it all together. And to compound that, I, I really think the team has lost their, some confidence and some enthusiasm. As I said earlier, they haven't been very enthusiastic in a couple of their losses. So it's sort of snowballed because they haven't put it together on a lot of nights. And as we know, Adrian, in this business, when you lose – whether you're a player or a coach or a fan or a broadcaster, it, it's just it's negative and it it snowballs and that's I think what's happened right now. And you know the the good thing that you know I see from from what they've done is that there's still lots of time. And you know Doug Armstrong felt he couldn't wait any longer because this division, as you know, is so good. So I mean, if the Blues are already in a tough spot, uh, being out as far, I think there's seven points out of a playoff spot. So. You know, if you get more than a dozen out by Christmas, you're you're in big time trouble. So they they really couldn't wait much longer, and they had to do it now. Yeah, well, Craig Berube, who you know had a pretty good record in Philly, I uh, was kind of surprised when he was let go. Um, he's the interim uh, without you know without you having the analyst hat on or the fortune teller hat on. Uh, do you think that's Going to be longer in the interim, or, or no? Yeah, I know there's a certain guy with the last name starts with Q who's out there. Uh, do you think uh, Do you think Craig Ruby can last? Or uh, I don't know what Doug Armstrong said since the firing, but uh, you know, has he given any indication how long this might last? The interim tag? No, they haven't given any kind of time frame, Adrian. They, he did say today at the press conference that that he will get a list together. Um, for a permanent coach, and that will include, you know, veteran coaches like a Quenville, uh, perhaps an Elaine Vino. I don't know. He also said he'll get a list together that features junior coaches and and coaches in college. So, you know, the sense I get from from that those statements is that you know Craig will be given this year, and you know, what if he turns it around and they make a great run and make the playoffs and do well? Then, you know. Sort of like what happened with the Cardinals this year when they when they fired Mike Matheny, they they brought him an interim manager, and then about a month later they made him the permanent manager. So I guess it, it depends on you know how he does number one, and and who's out there, and you know when they do want to hire a full time coach. But you know my sense is this is going to be most likely the rest of this year, but we'll see what happens. It's, you know that's certainly a way out of uh, my my pay grade to make those decisions. Yeah, no, I, I know, I, that's that's certainly true. I, I, it doesn't seem on the surface that Q would would would. It doesn't seem the right be the right fit for me. I don't I don't know why. I guess you know when you go back to a team, it's sort of you always 
you know, you, you can get hung up in that sentimentality trap a little bit. Um, but who knows? He's certainly a good coach, and I'm sure that he'll be given an opportunity if he wants it. Uh, I definitely know some other, you know, people would be chomping at the bit. Uh, I know Mark Crawford, our old friend, wants to wants to get back behind the bench and been kind of biding his time and been doing a good job in Ottawa, so we'll see. But uh, uh, the Blues, uh, gosh, you know, they, they I thought they had it a couple, three years ago. I actually covered that series, uh, Western Finals, against San Jose for Bleacher Report when I used to work for them. And I really thought that that was the best team that I'd seen all year. Um, it just didn't happen again at the end. Uh, they, they let, you know, San Jose kind of came back, won that big game in, in St. Louis. I think it was game five. Um, do you think that series kind of started a sort of a downward spiral a little bit uh, when they did not win that cup that, that, that's been kind of hard to overcome in a way uh, that, that, that sort of started a little bit of an effect with certain players leaving and et cetera, et cetera, or, or not. I mean, that was a, I feel like that window was there for them and it didn't happen. I'm not saying the window's shut or anything right now, or you never know, but uh, do, do you think that was a really tough thing for that franchise to overcome at that time? Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, a big reason they lost that series, Adrian, and not to take anything away from San Jose, is the Blues in the first round had a 3-1 lead against Chicago, let it slip away, had to go 7 and then they led 3-2 against Dallas and lost Game 6 at home before winning big in, in, in Game 7 in Dallas. So they had to go two series in a row, Game 7, when they really should have taken care of both series a lot earlier. And I think in hindsight, having to go deep against San Jose, it hurt them. So having said that, I think what happened after that series is that Doug Armstrong, he felt sort of a he wanted a change of uh, a philosophical difference in terms of the way they played. They were a big, heavy team. They had the likes of David Backus and Troy Brower. Um, both of those players were free agents, and they, they did not re- re-sign either player. Um, the next year, they traded Shattenkirk. So they, they tried to go, you know, younger and faster and more skill, and they're still in that process. So, um, yeah, so did that loss? change things yeah it changed their philosophy i think on how they felt long term they needed to go and, and needed to win and as i said i still think they're still in that process because they have they still have a really young team they have they have a 19 year old kid robert thomas a first rounder from two years ago who um is going to be a really good player very smart i mean uh, uh vince dunn on defense a second year player uh, sammy blay a rookie up front so the you know, they're a younger team, except for a guy like Bullmeister, who's 35. They're, 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 they're one of the younger teams in the league. So that's sort of part of what, you know, the process they've been going through the last couple of years. Yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't I said the Blues defense was a little older, but I was probably thinking too much about Bullmeister. And... Yeah, no, really, it's Bullmeister at 35, and then I believe the next uh, oldest would be Petrangelo at 28. So, I mean, he's, he's right in his prime. So, yeah, the, the defense is not old. Yeah, it seems like he's been around forever, but he's only 28. I know. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, well, one person we can't blame this year on so much, just based on the numbers, is our old friend Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, looks like he's having a good year there. Uh, your impressions of ROR so far, John? It, very impressed. He has been he has been the Blues' best player, and he's he's been great off the ice, Adrian. I don't know what he was like as a young player in Colorado, but He's the kind of player that he gets to the rink and he's the first one on the ice, and he's the last guy off. And he's really good with the young, yeah, really good with the young players. Very, very friendly, um, great with the media, um, and he's been a good player. So I, I don't think the Blues could ask any more than they've gotten from Ryan O'Reilly. He's been, he has been really good. And I, I hate to, sh- you know, shudder to think where they'd be without his play. He had points in ten straight games until. The Blues got shut out in Chicago. See, he has been everything that we hoped he would be. And, you know, quite honestly, the Blues gave up a lot for him. They, they gave up uh, a prospect in Tage Thompson. They gave up two players off the roster in Sabotka and Berglund, and then some draft choices. So it, it, it was a lot to give up, but he he has come in, and he has uh, 
done very well as the number one. Yeah, well, he's he's a, he's a hell of a player. I mean, he. I think you know the only perception that really changed about him uh, is the money he got. I mean, he got you know he held he kind of held out there. It wasn't a technical holdout, but uh, he withheld his services and got the offer sheet from Calgary. And ever since then, <laughs> he probably would have signed for a four million. He gets an offer for six point five. Uh, and then you know, I think I think people just you know he, he the pressure went up on him so to speak after that, and then he went to Buffalo and didn't didn't help them become winners even though he's still a good player there. Um, but he's uh, he's a hell of a nice guy. Does he still still shoot the pucks in the uh, in the bucket after every practice? You know, have to shoot every puck in a bucket or no? Is he giving that up? I have not seen him do that actually. Okay. No, he, he that used to be. His yeah, thing. I've seen him. yeah, he used to be the last I'll, guy I'll off the ice, and he'd that. have to shoot every puck in a bucket on the fly, or else he couldn't leave the ice. That used to be his thing here. Yeah, so he'd keep I'll, us I'll waiting. I'll ask him if he does that anymore. Yeah, he'd keep <laughs> us waiting for freaking hours in the locker room, which <laughs> we didn't like right. that much. Uh, okay, well, listen, uh, the Blues have. You grew up in St. Louis. Your dad is a legendary announcer for the St. Louis Blues. You, there's a picture of you with your dad at his in the press box as a little kid, sitting walking right in the Blues. I keep, you know, honestly, John, I keep forgetting the name of the arena that they call in St. Louis. It's been it was, like, well, the St. Louis Arena, Adrian. Not that hard to remember. Right? I mean, it's been like a hundred <laughs> names, right? Uh, I just can't keep up. No, yeah, right. I just call it the Blues well, Barn. I'm just going to call it the Blues Barn from now on. Well, no, the new one has had a bunch of names. The old one was the St. Louis Arena, and for a while, the Checkerdome, but it was right. the arena. Oh, I'm not, I remember the Checkerdome, of course, but but uh, but no, right. Yeah, right. Well, in the in the current incarnation of the Blues Arena, I, I remember it was first called the Savage Center when I started covering the league. It was called the Savage Center. Uh, no, but that's the current arena. You're you're mixing. Oh no, it up. no, the Keel Center. I'm, I meant the Keel Center. I'm sorry, the Keel Center. It's the Savage Center now, right? No, it's now Enterprise. You're, you're oh, about four see, names behind I told you, you, John. I don't know the damn name. I can't remember all these names. I can't think. I can't think keep a name arena in this. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, it used to be the Keel Center when I came in. Then they, yeah. Then it was Scotia Bank, right? Then it was Savas. No, no, no. You, no. It, it, uh, it was. Uh, it's Enterprise Center now. How's that? I, I just got into it. Yeah, I just just totally okay. uh, got into. A, Ground a hole I can't get out of, did I? All right. Yeah. Enterprise it's not, it's Center. Okay, Adrian. You're, you know, you have a lot on your mind. I know, I know, I know. A lot of a lot of Kiss songs I got to memorize and stuff like that. Uh, all right. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. You you grew up in St. Louis. Your dad's a legendary announcer. You're the the famous Bobby Orr scores and the Boston Bruins win. That that is your father who made that call. The famous Bobby Orr leaping through the air call. Uh, um, and that made you very happy, didn't it, Adrian, uh, I as was, a Bruins fan? I was, <laughs> I was barely knee-high to a grasshopper, but I do remember it vaguely. And, yes, it did make me happy. Uh, right. The old Boston Bruins. I, still, though, how much further appreciation do you get every day that you do your job as to what your life has been like? I mean, it's been – sounds like a dream life in a way. You grew up in press boxes with your dad – you go on to a career in the same thing. I mean, honestly, John, uh, has it been as easy as we all as it looks, or you know, or or not? I mean, where's <laughs> he just have had this this great hockey life? Are you ever gonna put it down in a book someday or anything like that? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it. it I've been so lucky, Adrian, as you said. You know, going to games as a kid and sitting with my dad at the games and you know he he did a lot of football as well so i'd go spot for him at football games and you know got to know the likes of jack buck and bob costas and dan deodorf i mean some of the giants in the in the history of the broadcasting business and and but you know i i put my time in the american league too adrian i i, I rode the buses for six years and then um as you know i did i did six years in the nhl um with the blues after my dad passed away and then free in Tampa before I got the abs job. So I, even though it's been a great run and I'm very grateful, um, I, I feel like I, 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 you know, earned my stripes in the American league and put my time in and, but yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, I have no complaints. It's, uh, I think I've done everything that a, a young announcer would want to do. I'm not a young announcer anymore, but as any announcer is, is, is I've, I've stayed in one part of the business 
doing play by play, which I love. My teams have done really well that I've covered. I have two Stanley Cups, of course, and I've, I've got to come home and work in my hometown. So there's really not a lot of boxes I haven't checked off in my career. I've been really lucky about that, for sure. No question. You have earned it, and, uh, yeah, you were not handed anything. Uh, and, and it comes with pressure to be Dan Kelly's son, too, right? You had to overcome stuff, not just – you probably had a little bit of an in in some ways, and yet you also had a lot of people saying, hoping, you know, thinking you had it easy when you really didn't probably, but it's still a hard thing to be the son of a famous person, right? Well, yeah, I don't know if it's a hard thing, but I, I, I do think that, and there's been a lot of, you know, sons of broadcasters, as you know, I mean, Joe Bach, the son of the great Jack Bach and, you know, the Carey family and, and others, you know, there's no question, Adrian, that my father helped open some doors, but, you know, like any announcer, even though you get in a door, perhaps you've got to stay there and earn your stripes and he can't keep your job for you. So, you know, that's all I'll say. And, and, but certainly a lot more positive things have come out of, of being a Kelly than anything, perhaps even negative. Uh, because he was so well liked by so many people, and it's it's been certainly way more positive than anything even remotely negative. Yeah. All right, guys, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, more with John Kelly. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. We will be right back. Hey, everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can, including Avalanche games, for only $39 per month. There's no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. You can get tickets to Avalanche home games with your In We Go subscription for only $39 a month. And it's not just Avs games. It's Rockies, Rapids, Nuggets, Buffs, Concerts, Beer Tastings, food fests, comedy shows, concerts, and anything else that you can imagine. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it just like we all did at BSN Denver. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Now, enjoy the show. All right, guys, before we jump into our next segment, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. Look, you already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they are delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge all the way to Erie. And for a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off of a $50 purchase on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off of that $50 order for all of your holiday parties and have it delivered right to your door. Download the Total Beverage app and use the promo code BSN10 for $10 off your next order. That is promo code BSN10 on the Total Beverage app for $10 off your next liquor delivery. Now back to the show. Adrian Dater sitting down with John Kelly. Speaking of positive, let's uh, let's let's transition to some of the old days in this town. Uh, John, you're still well remembered here. Half your calls are still played on scoreboards every time I'm anywhere. It seems like uh, the out Colorado Avalanche. You came in with the team, but people forget that you had just called. You were the previous announcer for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right, and you yet you come from there to Denver. Can you tell that story again? How that happened? Why you went from Tampa to Denver? Well, there, there were a few issues in Tampa. Basically, I was doing all the all the the radio and TV games. So back then, we did about fifty games on TV, and then the other thirty games or so, I did radio, and then they brought in another guy to do the radio full time. So I, I lost some games. So I wasn't happy about that. But, you know, I was going to return to Tampa, but that summer, it turns out there were three jobs open. The Flyers job was open, the Islanders job, and then, of course, Colorado, because they they came from Quebec and they had French-speaking announcers. So those guys probably, you know, were candidates because they didn't speak English. It's very simple. And, you know, honestly, I, I talked to 
I talked to Luke Personet, who was the VP of broadcasting at the time. You know Lou very well. And you know, I talked to Lou in the summer, and he kept saying, yeah, you're, you're in the hunt, you're in the hunt. And I talked to a few friends of Lou and said, no, John, you're probably not going to get the job. Um, he, he actually told me that Marv Albert's brother was going to get the job, the, the guy that, that did the Nuggets games for you. Al Albert? Um, I can't remember. Al Albert, yeah, he told me Al was going to get the job. And then it turns out I, I, I was sitting at home in, in Tampa with my wife, and we had just had a baby, my son. And I'll never forget this, Adrian. My wife and I were sitting on the bed with our son in the morning, and he, he did, my son just started laughing for whatever reason. And the phone rang, and it was Lou Persnett, and he offered me the job. It was just sort of out of, out of the blue. And this was, I'm going to say this was around September 20th. I mean, the season started, when was the first game in Denver? October 2nd, maybe? Well, hell Again, yeah. I mean, we'd already been in the preseason by then. Yeah, this, the preseason had started. So I got this call when, like I said, but see, I knew they had not n- named it uh, a TV announcer. So I had not totally given up on it. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, it's probably not going to happen. So I got this call, and a day later, we came to terms, and I accepted a job. And, and literally three days later, my wife and I and my son are on a plane flying to Denver, and none of us had ever set foot in the city or the state. And we landed there, and a night later, we went to Vail, and the Blues had a pre- or the Blues, the Abs had a preseason game against San Jose. And it just started from there. I'll never forget it. You getting there, and then the season started, and you know the team was great, and we won the cup, and it was just it was just sort of a, a dream come true that season, not just for me but for everybody. It, it just sort of came out of nowhere, and it was just unbelievable. And and we had nine great years there. I, my wife and I loved it there. We want to retire in Colorado someday. We love it the, the mountains, and oh yeah, we we. we we really enjoy it. My, actually, my brother-in-law still lives in Castle Rock, so we go back there, you know, maybe once a year to see him. So, it, it, like I said, it, it just sort of came out of nowhere at the end, and it just turned into something so fantastic for for our family. Wow, what a like I still I forgot it was I didn't realize it was that late in the process you got hired. I do remember that game in Vail against San Jose. Uh, we were all yeah, they sitting scored up. like ten goals that night. Yeah, it was like I think it was ten to two. The Avs beat the Sharks. It was a preseason game, and it was it's basically like chicken wire uh, as boards. It seemed like uh, I know they had some real glass, but it seemed like it was a very primitive rink in Dobson Arena. Uh, I also remember that night. That's the night the OJ verdict came down. So I remember driving back from that game from Vail. I had Rick Sadowski. Uh, and a, a girl from the Rocky Mountain News as well uh, in the car with me. We're all driving back. Angie Reese was her name. And uh, we're all just stunned by the OJ verdict. So that, that happened too. Uh, uh, the, and the, yeah, you just you hit it right away. Or, you know, you hit the ground running. You and Peter McNabb were just, uh, just seemed like a great pairing. Uh, so many great calls. Uh, of course, they win the cup the first year. I know you didn't get to cover the call the final two rounds. That was when the networks take over. And I know that's – it kind of sucks for you as an announcer, right? I wanted to ask you about that. When the league takes over and the networks take over and you, you have to sit and watch those final two rounds and you don't actually get to make the cup call, is that always – how hard was that and how much is that sort of – I know it's part of the business, and but how much does that aggravate you when you got to do that? you got to sit back. Well, I wouldn't say aggravated – yeah, you know, it's it's very disappointing. Um, but you know, you know the you know the rules going in, so there's no use in getting mad about it or aggravated. But believe me, as an announcer, I wanted to be there. Peter wanted to be there. It's a dream of any announcer to make the final call like, you know, Mike Haynes made when Krupp scored for the right point and the Avs win the cup. Of course it would be a dream come true to do that. But those are the rules, and that's you live with it, and you know you, you can't complain. I mean, I I'd rather have that than have a you know a team that didn't make the playoffs and got to do every game. So you know you can look at it from two ways. So yeah, um, you and Peter seem to have great chemistry on, uh, in the booth. Uh, what was it like to work with Peter? 
It, it was awesome. And from day one, you know, I had known Peter a little bit from being in the NHL. And of course he was with the Devils, um, but I had never worked with him. But, you know, we just had very good chemistry. Like Peter knew when I needed a, a sort of a take a breath and he'd jump in with a comment. And he knew when I wanted to get going. And, you know, I think the other thing that looking back that I think made us a good team is that we both love the game of hockey and we're both passionate about the game of hockey. And, you know, if we weren't doing the game and we were at dinner or, or driving the bus, you know, on the bus, we'd be talking about the game and, you know, the game we just played or talking about the big trade that was made in the AHL. So I think we both, and we both come from hockey families, of course, because Peter's dad was a former GM, Max McNabb. So we're hockey lifers. And I think that that added to the chemistry we had is just because we both love the game of hockey so much. And we both arrived there and it, it was magical. The team we got to cover. And yeah, I think that Peter and I, formed a really good team and you know even when Mike was sick that that year and I came back a couple of years later honestly I did two, yeah I did two rounds with him and it it's honestly felt like I never left because it was just so seamless to come back in there and work with Peter so I can't explain why Adrian other than I know just, I was always real comfortable with Peter he did a great job um, working with me and was so good to me, and I, I enjoyed it very much. Peter, Peter's a unique individual. Uh, hard to get to know in a lot of ways, but he's uh, not not a friendlier guy uh, out there. And uh, God, the guy works hard. He's just always coming up with new stats. He's always talking about hockey. You're right. You hit it on the head. He is a hockey lifer. Um, that guy will will <laughs> I'm sure be watching hockey. When that you know, whenever that last breath comes, uh, he, he's he's amazing. Uh, but you do you too. You work hard. Uh, you know, you, the the thank you, thank you, thank you call. I can't remember. I can't remember if you had that call beforehand or did that just start organically in in Colorado. I guess you would know better than me. That became your signature call. Thank you, thank you, thank you. After a big avalanche goal or a win, uh, did that start in Tampa Bay or is that Colorado? When did it start? You know, I really used it for the first time, the first time it was in St. Louis and Brett Hall, Brett Hall scored, Brett Hall scored an overtime goal in the playoffs and I used it and I got some, I got some pretty good reaction from my friends and some fans and stuff, but I, I never used it after that. And then when I came to Tampa or Colorado, I started using it and I, I don't know why, but I just started using it there and, and I guess it caught on and I think, I hope fans liked it. Um, and I just, as you said, when, when there was a big goal, that's when I would pull it out and use it. And, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So you didn't that, use it all I, the time. You saved it for the really big goals, the really yeah, big exactly. moments. Uh, I think I remember you saying it after they beat Vancouver in the playoffs, uh, when Sackick, remember Sackick scored that big goal to win the game, uh, essentially. Uh, against Corey Hirsch, I think you used it there. And, um, but you, 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 that first year, okay, so many great memories. What, what what comes to your mind right away when you think about that first magical year? Anything at all? Um, well, I mean, there were so many great. Yeah, I, I would point to two that the, the first time that I said to myself that this team is really, really good was the night they won in Dallas. It was in November. And I think Hitch had, I think Hitch had just taken over that team. And, and they blew the stars out. I mean, they, they scored like nine to, they, you know, nine to four, nine to three. Was, I, don't know. I think it was six to, to uh, one. Yeah. It, it, anyway, they blew them out. And that game, for whatever reason, stands out to me. And the the other game that just – for me, as far as people ask me, you know, when I do interviews or stuff like that, you know, the greatest game you ever had to, to watch or announce, um, not from, from my perspective, like as an announcer, but the greatest game I've seen that I did announce was, was game four against Chicago in the, in the second round. The triple overtime game when, when Sackett scored from Gusarov, that game had, if you look back, Adrian, that game had as many 
um, as much as much drama as you would ever imagine in, in a particular game. As, as you know, if they lose the game, they're down three one in the series and probably going to lose. Um, that's also the game that Chelios kept skating in the warm up between his period. No, that was the game six. Messed up his leg. That was game six. And, yep. No, that was game four. That was game four. I'm pretty sure, wasn't it? Uh, no, I think it was game six. Uh, um. Wait a minute. I need to double-check that now. How the hell would I get that yeah. wrong? I just remember Chelios, I think, battling with Mike Ricci during that game. Uh, right. I, mean, no, I, think game I think it was game four, but you could be I'll right. I'll double-check you on that. I'll double-check you on this. But, uh, but yeah, that was Chelios. And you know what happened, right? He, we all know the story now. It didn't really come out at the time, but he, he got a shot of – he got a <laughs> – Got too much painkiller in his leg. Uh, yeah, and he couldn't feel his leg. He couldn't feel his leg for the whole game. I know. <laughs> he was ready to come in all the time. He was in the bike. He was down on the bike trying to loosen up. But but you had to but 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 actually you know I think you had to make your I think he could have come in at any time. Um, I know you have to give your lineups before the game, but uh, I gotta double check all that. Maybe he wasn't eligible. No, but he. No, but he, Adrian, he was on the roster. I know he was because he kept coming out, like I said, between each period. And the and the Blackhawks said he had an equipment issue, and we all knew that was just a complete lie. I mean, so I'm pretty sure it was game four, but you you, you double check. I mean, and the other thing in that game, as you know, that's that's what you know. In, in overtime, Rona gets pulled down on a clear cut breakaway. They want a penalty shot, and as you know, there was not even a call. And then the Avs scored triple overtime. So that game to me was, of all the Avalanche games, except, of course, the cup-clinching games, that was the biggest game that I will ever remember going back to my years there. That's interesting that you remember that one. I, I think you're – I haven't double-checked this for sure. I think you may be right on there. Then I'm – shame on me. And normally I'm rock how, solid. How about, if we, how about if we bet a Coors Light on that? Because I'm pretty sure I'm right. right? I, I think you're right. I think you're probably right because now I'm not positive. And usually I'm just rock solid on those things. But I I think you're right. I think I screwed it up. The, the, game four, of course. Uh, how could I – I could have sworn he played in that game, though. But yeah, I'll look it up. We'll I'll do a post. You look it up, and, and I will owe you. A, I'm sure I'll owe you a Coors Light. So okay. put it on my tab. Uh, <laughs> I re- I just I didn't. You know, I was such a babe in the woods covering that team my rookie year. Uh, but I do remember you just helping me a lot with just hockey talk in general. Like you, you you hit it on the head. Or whenever I was around you. And that was frequent in those days because we'd—I'd ride the buses and the and the plane at times in those days. Yep. Man, that's all you talk about is hockey. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about anything but hockey. <laughs> well, my family—I have a great family, Adrian. You know that. You do have some and... other interests, though, right, John? Did, let's let me ask you what John Kelly's other interests are in life besides family, of course. Uh, what? what um, I think you're I, a I skier, love aren't you? And... I love sports and we travel a bit. I, I, um, I like playing no limit hold and poker now. I've, I've got into that. Oh, um, really? Stuff like that. You're a poker yeah, player. Yeah. Huh. I love poker. Interesting. Yep. Oh, I know what else you used to do. You used to play racquetball with Bob Hartley, right? I used, yes, I did. Yes. And there, there's the famous story, of course, as you know, that Bob and I were playing there during one of the playoff series in Detroit and, um, the manager said we could play, and then we got there, and then some members complained, and they made us leave. <laughs> they didn't want us. They didn't want us playing in their court, so we left. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. I, now our listeners know it too. Uh, forget what playoff series that must have been, but uh, yeah, ninety. Well, that, that, I'm pretty sure that was the playoff series that the Avs lost the first two games at home. It would have been okay, ninety nine, so, yeah, and then they so won four straight. Yeah, I was just yeah. talking to Theo Fleury about that very series. Uh, earlier podcast today and uh he said that uh when they got off the plane the uh northwest airlines workers from detroit at the airport all held up brooms for you yeah he's right i remember that (laughs) (laughs) didn't didn't work out so well and you know what he he was right adrian there was a sweep it was a sweep by the avalanche yeah Yeah, they won four straight billy ranford couldn't (laughs) stop a beach ball after that and uh 
and, and uh, they they dethroned him. Yeah, I've beat him the next year too in two thousand. What year did you yeah. leave again? Uh, two thousand six was it? No, earlier. Uh, you left for St. When Louis. It, what year? After the 0304 season. Right, right. 0304. Yeah. And then there was no season at all. What a hellish year that was for all of us. Yeah, it was the worst year of my life. Oh, I remember so well. Oh, I had to cover bowling that year. That was the low point. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you've got such a, you know, uh, long track record in the game. Do you, let me ask you, do you, do you, do you still like, it's such a hard business to crack, but, uh, you know, um, have you been just thoroughly satisfied being a team play-by-play uh, -play guy and associated more with a local team, or do you, you know, did you did you harbor, you know, national ambitions to be the NBC guy at Game of the Week? I mean, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but you know, has, has it has you have you have you even you know thought you could still do that maybe? Um, well, I guess you never quit dreaming, Adrian, in life. Um, you know, I did, I did the playoffs for, uh, at the time it was called Outdoor Life Network, which preceded NBC Sports Network. I, I did the playoffs for them. Um, I'm not sure of the year. It might actually it was my first year back in St. Louis. So it would have been 06. And then when I was in Denver, I did one year of network games when Fox had the rights. So I, I did regional games on Fox. So, you know, yeah. And I've applied, you know, I've been lucky in St. Louis, the teams made the playoffs. Well, until last year, they had made it six years in a row. So, you know, I, I, I send my resume in and, and try and get them, but you know, they have their guys and um, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd like to do them when I'm not working, but you know, it's sort of a nut, a tough nut to crack, and you know it is what it is. So I mean, yeah, I'd like to do more. My, Doc Emmerich gonna live to 180. Uh, I know, you know. So yeah, he, he's a legend. <laughs> you know, you're not taking. No one's taking Doc Emmerich's job. I'll tell you that. When Doc Emmerich wants to quit, he's quit. But not so fast. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Yeah, so. no, it's it's true. And you've you've accomplished so much, though. What a life. Uh, I always usually ask broadcasters this too, and I'm sure you get to ask this all the time. Uh, your number one piece of advice for kids who want to be the next John Kelly. What, what do you tell those kids? I think I would say be passionate about what you, you know, you're going to do, whether it's be a play-by-play -play guy or whatever you're going to do. You can't just come in and, you know, think, oh, I'm going to work my 35, 40 hours and that's it. You, you, this business, Adrian, it's, you've got to be thinking about your team and the game and things like that almost 24 seven. So my advice would be if you really love it, then be passionate about it and it'll help you a lot. And if you're not, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough road to go because so many people, so, you know, so many people know so many things about the game. You just have to be 24 seven. That's what I would say. Well, good advice. Uh, it's, it's true. You, you do have to love what you do. Uh, it's, it's not hard to love, Calling hockey games, though, I'm sure we all we all did it when we were kids for free in our microphones, our tape recorders. I'm assuming you did that too. Little, you got a tape somewhere, probably destroyed by now, but maybe you got some old tapes. You, I'm, I'm assuming you did that. Yeah, I heard it from your own dad every night. Were you the kid though calling games? Yep, yep, yeah. We we actually had a great basement at our house, and and we used to play floor hockey as kids and. Um, I think the first time I ever really sort of tried to announce, we were in seventh grade in, in junior high school, and a couple of my buddies got a, an old tape recorder, and we called the uh, junior high basketball game, the ninth grade basketball game, from the corner of the of the basketball court. And so, yeah, like a lot of kids, you, you did that. And I was lucky enough to have um, a real announcer in my house who could sort of help me along the way. So that was good. <laughs> Yeah, and brothers too. Your brother Dan, uh, great announcer. Uh, did DU hockey here? Uh, you know, great announcer. Uh, I don't have I don't know what Dan's doing at the moment, but I hope it's covering hockey uh, or some play. Well, he, he he's doing. Uh, he does the MLS team in Chicago, and then he also does a lot of Big Ten um, sports. So he he does some college hockey and stuff like that. So yeah, he's still he's doing well. Yeah, that's good. Well, and, uh how about your your own kids? Uh, they're gonna follow uh, your young boys. Still got their red hair, right? 
Yep, I got a I got a kid with red hair like you. He he's actually in his last semester and he's in broadcasting. And then I have, um, yep, he wants to be a broadcaster. And then my younger my youngest daughter is a senior and she's interested as well. So you know, hopefully the the Kelly name will continue here with another generation. Sounds promising. Well, John, uh, it's been a pleasure. I want to hopefully have you on a follow up someday. Maybe when you're in town, we can. I can grab you that Coors Light that I probably owe you. I still have not looked this up, but I, I'm pretty resigned to the fact that I screwed up on my own podcast and got an avalanche date wrong. That almost never happens. So enjoy this moment. Uh, enjoy your victory. On well, I, I'm not. I'm not 100. percent But Andrew, I do have a very good memory. I'll, 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 I'll admit that. But you know, um, why don't you check and you get back to me and we'll go from there. I think you're right though, because I remember Chelios hitting Mike Ricci and they're both like exhausted and gasped, but. But I forgot that that game six also went to overtime. That went that went to double overtime, right? And they were just as tired as the other ones. So that's what I'm thinking of. I screwed it up. I got my wrong. I got my game wrong. Uh, You're right. Uh, Well, it's been a blast, man. Uh, Could talk all day on uh, future memories or past memories. But we got a lot of future ahead of us too, John. A lot of hockey to watch still. So I want to thank you for coming on the BSN Avalanche podcast. all the best to the Blues. Not too much luck, maybe, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have our battles again. Uh, this is a long, long, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, that was a hell of a game to finish up last year against the Blues. Not so good for the Blues, but uh, but it was still fun. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a you know something similar this year. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, hey, that was like a game seven. It was. It was. It was. Uh, I know. Really gets was. hurt in the first two minutes, and that that didn't help things at all. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, all right, John. Thanks so much. Uh, all the best. I'll see you at the rink soon. I hope, and uh, uh, all all, yeah. all the best to you and the family. Thanks, Adrian, and uh, thank, happy Thanksgiving. Actually, we're out there in a week and a half. We play we play in Denver. I think next Friday night. So okay, well, week course and a light half. on me. Course light on me after the game. That's going to go ahead and do it for us today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always. Kicking off a, a little bit of a busy week here for the Avs. Three games this week. We will actually be at Bender's tomorrow to watch the uh, Avs-Predators game. We'll be recording a show during the game as well as right after. So we'd love for you to come out and join us again. That's Bender's in Westminster. 6 p.m. local time puck drop for the Avs-Preds. Hope to see you guys all there. For Adrian Dater, big shout-out to John Kelly. I have been Jesse Montano. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Thank you guys all so much for listening.